Thank you for that, Brother Michael. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump in tonight. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7. So once you're there, you can go ahead and stand if you're able to for the uh, reading of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. I'm always excited for the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit. Uh, I, I always say this, and I always mean it. I, I never counted myself worthy, and still to this day don't count myself worthy to be able to do something like this. And I'm so thankful for God and what he's done in my life. But if you're there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, I'll begin to read. We're going to jump right in. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall work, wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We're really going to focus on verse 16 right here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul concludes the thought in 2 Timothy chapter 3 with, That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again uh, thankful, hopeful, and prayerful tonight, Lord. I pray that you'll be with us as we... Listen, Lord, I pray that you'll be with me as I speak. I pray that I won't do anything to bring dishonor and shame to you, Father. And I pray that what I say may be effective and that you'll stir the hearts and the minds of the people, God. I can't do this without you, so I humbly ask that you will control me tonight, Lord. Have your will and your way, not only in my life, but those who are listening. For it's in Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. So when, uh, whenever... I began to prepare for this message. I thought the best way to the best way to introduce the message is to kind of uh, give the introduction in a sense that uh, most of you know my background. You know that I was in the military. You know that I'm, I'm prior military. And being in the military, we have a manual for everything. Anything that you can possibly dream of, we have a manual for it. Um, if you want to learn how to qualify with your rifles on the range, there's a manual that teaches you how to qualify with your rifle. If you want to uh, square away your wall locker when you're in basic training, they give you a manual that tells you exactly where to put things and what to do with your, with your, uh, with your things for your wall locker and, and how to make your bed. And I mean, you name it, there's a manual for everything. And what we call that is a standard operating procedure. And we follow that whenever we want to be able to do something and do it well. So... One of the things that I would do whenever uh, I was in was we were tasked with the responsibility of checking our vehicles. The, the Humvees that we had and the, and the military track vehicles that we had, we were tasked with the, the, the job of going out and performing preventative checks and maintenance and services, so PMCS. And so 
our first sergeant, our, our supply sergeant, would tell us to go out into the motor pool and do PMCS on these, on these Humvees and on these track vehicles. And, of course, we would do it. We would go out to the motor pool, and we would do the inspections, and we'd sign off on the sheet of paper saying that we did the inspections. So the first sergeant and, and or the supply sergeant would come out, and he would immediately notice that, no, we had not indeed done the thing that we said we did. It was apparent that we didn't do it because there would be oil leaking. There would be a flat tire. There would be a door that was not put back on properly. There would be uh, a, a headlight out and all things that we're supposed to annotate according to that standard operating procedure. We wouldn't do it, but we said we did. And it became very obvious that we didn't do it because, first off, the amount of time it took, five minutes we were back inside the building. So I feel like... I feel like that that's us a lot of times, that we're, we, we treat God's word the exact same way. And whenever I got to thinking about that, I, I couldn't help but to think a lot of times we ignore God's standard operating procedure. And we know what's in it. We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do that which we know to do. And I can't help but to think that this is, this is our manual, this is the Christian's manual, and this is God's word, and, and we mishandle it a lot of times, or we just completely ignore it, and then we're surprised that our life turns out the way it does. So tonight, what I want to do is look at the topic of advancing through life with God's word, and that's the title of tonight's message, Advancing Through Life with God's Word. What I want to do is give a little bit of backstory to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Really, 1 and 2 Timothy both are considered pastoral epistles. In context, Timothy is being, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy in chapter 3, and he's, he's kind of telling him what to expect. Timothy is a young preacher, and Paul is sort of seasoned, and Paul is trying to impart wisdom on him. So we, we consider this to be a pastoral epistle. As a matter of fact, if you look at verses 1 through 6, which we won't take the time to read all of it, but if you'll look at verses 1 through 6, Paul is telling Timothy, you're about to encounter some things, and here are some things you're going to encounter in the ministry. And really, whenever I read that, I read things like without natural affection, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are, are good, and traitors, and heady, and high-minded. I, I, I can't help but to think that's modern-day Christianity, maybe. That's modern-day society. That is 2023 America. So I believe that Paul, even though he's trying to build up Timothy, he's in context talking to Timothy about these things, but he's speaking directly to us as, as believers, us as the church. And so something happens there, and, and he also mentions in, in, uh, in these verses right here about Janus and Jambres. Janus and Jambres both were, according to Exodus chapter 7 and Exodus chapter 8, they were sorcerers, they were magicians, they were those people who opposed God's word, and they stood in the gap and tried to divert the attention away from what Moses was saying, and they were, they were tricksters, they were deceitful. But something happens in verse 9. The Bible says, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. So Paul is telling Timothy, hey, you're going to encounter these type of people, but understand they're not going to go very far in their life. And I think there's, there's an application here. So just because this is a pastoral epistle doesn't mean it doesn't apply to the Christian. Because we can definitely learn from these verses. And then in verse number 10... He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. 
So there's a transition there. In verse number 9, he's saying you're going to encounter people who don't really know any better and they're not going to go very far in life. But then verse number 10, he says, ah, yes, but you know better. You know better. And there's a reason why. And we're going to look at this. In verse 16, we see that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So he's, these people who are deceitful and not following God's word cannot expect to advance very far in life. But those who know God's word can expect to advance through, God's, uh, through life using God's word. So what we see here is uh, this is what separates us from, uh, us from those people. We have a fully complete, inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God. They had scripture too, but we've got the complete scripture. So tonight we really don't have much excuse and we can fully advance in life using God's word. We can 100% know that. So what happened in, in these days was, uh, I, once again, I think it was very, very similar to what we're in, experiencing now. And I would think if I were to take a survey here tonight, everybody here wants to advance in life. Everybody wants to get to the point where they hear that, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know I do, and I know I fail miserably most of the time, but I know that we all do. And, and sometimes things get in the way of that. Sometimes we have a hard time advancing through life with God's word because we, we have things that crop up and things that get in the way. And the thing is sin, and, and I can't help but to see that in verses 1 through 6. I see there's a warning there in verses 1 through 6. But we want to get to that point where we've heard that well done, uh, thou good and faithful servant. But we're going to have a hard time doing that tonight if we won't just accept, accept some things. And uh, I believe with all of my heart that Christians this afternoon all across the country as we're gathered in church are... Many of us as Christians are advancing through life with our own word. We're advancing through life using our own manual. I see it all the time. I, I will talk to people and, and I will counsel with people. And most of you know that we're part of RU. And um, RU is a very difficult ministry. And, and what I see a lot of times is people will say, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but here's what I believe. And I can't help but to think they're following their own manual. They're following their own word. They're following their own standard. And might I tell you tonight as we jump into this that if you're going to follow your own word and your own manual, you're going to live a life of misery. One leads to misery. One leads to victory. And it's up to you tonight to determine which route that you want to go. So if we're going to advance through, through life using God's word and not our own, so we're going to have to go through some phases now, these phases are probably going to sound like common sense, and, and they are. But you'll have a tendency to tune out because they're going to sound like common sense. But I believe if we will go through these phases that we're about to talk about, you will be able to advance through life, and you'll use God's word to do it. And you'll reach the point where you've hit verse 17, that you'll be truly furnished unto all good works. Because right now, we're kind of in verse number 7. I'll read it again. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We live in such a paradoxical society. We've never had access to information more than we have right now. Yet, we're the furthest away from the truth that we've ever been to. And I can't help but to think we can go from verse number 7 to verse number 17 if we'll just go through these phases. Well, what phases am I talking about? Well, the first phase that we have to go through is accepting God's word. 
we have to accept God's word. Matter of fact, if you don't accept God's word, you will stop dead in your tracks and you will progress no, no further. You will not be able to advance through life. And so I, I want to read verses 10 and 11 again. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. We've got to come to, the, come to the understanding and accept that God's word is true. We've got to accept what's in verse number 10. We've got to understand that God is long-suffering. And what that means for us is we have to be patient. We have to be patient sometimes in our lives. We have to understand that there is a manner of life. There is a way of doing things. The way of doing things is the right way of doing things according to the Bible. I also have to accept, maybe to my chagrin, that I'm going to suffer persecutions and afflictions. That's part of it. That's part of life. I mean, Paul, the guy who wrote 2 Timothy to Timothy, had been, had been whipped five times, 39 times each. He had been shipwrecked. He had been bitten by a snake. He had been, uh, he had been beaten uh, with rods three times. He had been stoned. He had been, uh, he had been chased over walls. He had been falsely imprisoned. I mean, all of these things happened to him. He had su- suffered some persecutions and afflictions. So when we accept God's word, when we accept his word, we accept his manner of life. We also accept that trials and tribulations are going to come, but we also have to accept what's in verse 16 as well, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not just some of it, not just the parts that we like. We all are prone to read the Bible and be like, I don't like that part. I don't, that, part doesn't, I, that part doesn't agree with my lifestyle. And I, I, I've seen that so many times in RU. I've seen that so many times with counseling with people. They only accept the parts of the Bible that they feel warm and fuzzy about. They don't want to accept that correction, that reproof. They don't want to accept that instruction. They can't even accept that this is the inspired word of God. So if we're going to advance through life tonight, we've got to accept his word. And that's definitely a challenge because we love to, we love to make excuses as to why we can't do what we know to do. Why we can't live the manner of life that the Bible calls us to live. And some of the things that may easily beset you, which I know easily besets me, I experienced it today, the busyness of life. Maybe you can't tonight accept God's word because you're just so busy. I get it. I, uh, I, I looked up today and it was already 6.30 and I'm like, I've got to preach tonight. So if, if you're busy, I, I get it. I've been there. But don't let your busyness prevent you from accepting God's word. And we're going to dig deeper into this. But don't let your busyness prevent you from being able to accept what God's word says. Maybe tonight it's your job. That kind of goes along with the busyness, right? Um, A lot of times, you know me, I worked offshore two weeks out of the month for six years. And that really, really interrupted me from being able to advance further than what I was. Now, I still did the best I could with what I had. But... I would, I would make excuses. I would lay out of church, and I would only come maybe once every six weeks. And I couldn't really advance very far because I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept the Bible. I, wouldn't, uh, I would not forsake the assembly of, of the believer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't show up like I was supposed to. So it may be busyness. It may be your job, or maybe it's your thought life. Maybe you think that there are other more important things to do than to accept God's word and to accept what he says in his word. And like I said, we're going to dig deeper into this, and maybe, maybe it's not your thought life. Maybe it's some sort of unconfessed sin. I, I can't tell you how many people that I've witnessed to, and I know if you've ever witnessed to any, a number of, of people, invariably you're going to run into someone who says that, yeah, I believe in God, but 
if I, if I do that Jesus stuff, if I read that Bible, what's going to happen to me is I've got to put down my bad habit. I've got to stop drinking. I've got to start getting right. I've got to, you know, start treating my wife better and loving my kids. You know, all things that we as Christians should already do. So maybe it's, maybe it's your thought life or maybe it's your unconfessed sin. So I was witnessing to a guy offshore, and, and the reason I know this, this was even before I got into ministry. I was w- witnessing to a guy offshore, and I was telling him about the goodness of the Lord, and I was telling him about the Bible and what the Bible said. And, you know, he was listening intently, and he said he was a believer. He believed in, in God. And, and, but he said, you know, he said, A.J., if, if, I be- if I do that, if I, you know, put down my bad habits, then I'm not going to have any fun anymore. And I thought, man, that's a, really, that's a really sad life if that's what you consider fun, something that's temporal and fleeting. And, I mean, you can use your imagination as to what he was talking about. But the fact remained, he could not accept God's word because his lifestyle didn't match up with what God's word said. And it was really, really difficult for him to put that down because, oh, we don't want this thing getting in the way of what we enjoy, when it really should be the other way around. We should be living a life full of joy based off of what this says. And you're never going to advance any further in your walk with the Lord if you don't accept the word, if you don't accept what's in the word. And here's what happens, though. What, what's amazing is when you accept God's word as being true, infallible, full of instruction, full of correction, full of, full of instructions and in righteousness, what happens is you begin to see the need for salvation. You begin to see everything that you're not supposed to be and everything that Jesus can save you from. And what it does is it makes you wise unto salvation. Matter of fact, we see it in verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we know at an early age, because a lot of us go to church, a lot of us have had this instilled in our lives, that we have to accept God's word. We have to accept the word. As a matter of fact, John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, was with God and the word was God. So what we have to do is not only accept God's word, we have to accept his son as savior. And when you do that, your life begins to change. Your life begins to turn. You're able to make that next step. You're able to slowly phase in the right direction to where you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant where you're able to see, verse 17, that you're, you know, throughly furnished unto all good works. We go from verse 7 to verse 17 by accepting his word. I was watching a video, uh, (laughs) like I have found myself doing more and more lately, but I was watching a video of a guy who was going around and he was giving $20 to anybody who could recite any Bible verse. Now, for us here in the South, most of us would probably walk away with $20. You may butcher the verse. You may not remember the right words or whatever. But you would probably walk away with $20. Well, this guy, he encountered about 15 people. And the looks on their faces whenever he asked them just to recite a simple Bible verse, you would have thought that he was speaking Mongolian. I don't know. Is that a language? It may not be. But anyway, you would think that he was speaking Sanskrit. I know that's a language. And it's a dead one also. Um, but you would, you would have thought that he had a, you know, he had a six head instead of a four head. It was incredible the way people were treating him. <laughs> it was incredible the way people were treating him and, 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 and by the way, treating God's word. They were completely ignorant of it. 
And he finally did come across one or two people who could recite a, a facsimile of John chapter 3, verse 16. And he gave them $20, and then he proceeded to give them uh, a, a version of the gospel. But it dawned on me, we have it good here. We have it good. You're, the, you're here tonight. You have, we have it good because we have an air conditioner, we've got a nice building, but there is a lost and dying world out there who needs to accept the word, but they turn their nose up to it. They scowl at it. They won't accept the word. And I can promise you, and I don't know these people personally, I don't know them, but I can almost guarantee you that their life is one of misery. It's definitely not full of joy. They're looking for something, and that something is salvation, and that something is the Lord. And the first step, the first phase that, they, that the lost and dying world needs to come to through is accepting his word. I, I suspect that these people never have accepted God's word because they've never read it. And that's the next phase that you have to go through. Not only do you have to accept God's word, but you have to read it. And I know, once again, that sounds elementary. <laughs> Trust me, it is elementary. And that's what makes it easy. We should read God's word. One of the best ways that you can learn is by reading. Matter of fact, the, the great missionary evangelist, whatever you want to call him, George Mueller, read the Bible over 200 times. That's a lot, by the way. I've only read it maybe two or three times all the way through. Um, and I can't help but to think of Brother Aaron when it comes to reading. He's forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever know. And the only reason I know that is because I've heard him talk about things. I was like, that's in the Bible? Let me go look at that. So it encourages me to read the Bible more, I should say. But George Mueller read the Bible over 200 times. He read the Bible over 100 times on his knees. That's incredible. He was reading the Bible as though it were the Word of God, and it is. And he treated it with such respect that he would do it on his knees as though he were praying to God, asking God to show him something. And you all know the stories about George Mueller. You know the wonderful miracles that were, were worked in his ministry. And that didn't come by accident because he first had accepted God's word as truth. Then he read God's word and he read God's word and he just kept reading God's word. It is, it is once again, it's not rocket science, but we do have a tendency to overthink things. There's a pretty well-known theory about becoming an expert at something. It has been determined that in order to be an expert at anything, you have to spend 10,000 hours on that thing. So to put that into perspective, if you were to spend an hour a day reading the Bible, it would take you 27 years to become an expert. I'm never going to be an expert. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I'm thankful tonight that I don't have to be an expert at the Bible. All I have to do is take it by faith. There's a supernatural element that comes into this, and that's faith. We see that in verse, in verse 10. He said, you've known my doctrine. You've known my manner of life. You've known my purpose. You know my faith. Rely on me, and I will give you what you need. And I learned about faith by reading in the Bible. I know what faith does, and I know what faith is about because I've read in God's word. So there's a supernatural element to this, and I believe that with all my heart, we won't learn his word because we won't practice reading it. And it's not easy to learn something if you don't read about it. And I, I've also read another study that in order to become proficient in memorization, you have to have read something 30 times. So if you are trying to learn a Bible verse, if you'll read it 30 times, eventually you will have a lot better success remembering it. So if you will just read your Bible and you'll just read your Bible, and then you'll just keep reading your Bible, eventually it'll click. 
How many, I'm going to take a survey here. I'm going to kind of tell on myself too. Uh, how many in here have ever read the Bible, a Bible verse, maybe a chapter, and then you got to the end of the chapter and you're like, wait, what? What did I just read? Anybody? Yep. I'm guilty to my hands with yours. What did I, what did I just read? What are, you, what are you supposed to do? Go back and read it again, right? There's probably some sort of outside, you know, influence that's keeping you. Maybe your stomach's growling or maybe you're, you know, pressed for time and supposed to get out by 8 o'clock or whatever the case may be. Go back and read it again. And if you don't understand it, go back and read it again. Then pretty soon you have developed a pattern of memorization that is proficient when it comes to learning. And it all started because you read it. So I fear too often, all too often, that children of God will open the Bible, they'll glance at some verses, they'll close the Bible, and they'll say, hmm, that didn't work. I've been guilty of that too. Searching for answers. We know the answers are in the Bible. We'll look for the answers, we'll read them, and we'll either say, well, I don't like that, that doesn't make any sense, or just close the Bible and say, ah, Jeopardy's on. Our football's starting in 10 minutes. I'll come back to that in just a minute. We treat God's word like it's some sort of, um, like, a, like it's some sort of option rather than some sort of necessity. And, and like I said, I believe, that, I believe that that leads to misery. When this becomes optional, when this becomes an option, expect misery. So if we're not willing to read his word, we can't expect it to work or make sense. Of course it's not going to make sense if you don't read it. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. Have you actually tried to read it? I mean, yeah, there's some, uh, some archaic words in there, but whenever you come across a word that you don't understand, you'll go to the Internet and Google it and find out what it means. It's, once again, it's not difficult. So read the Bible. You have to read his word. If you want to advance through this life, you've got to use God's word, and you've got to accept that it's his word, and you've got to read his word. So not only that, it, once you've accepted his word, once you've read his word, you have to go to the next phase. And the next phase is critically important, and it's to study his word. The next phase is studying his word. You have made it this far. You have accepted God's word as truth. You know what's in it, and you know it's profitable. You know it's good for doctrine. You know it will teach you. It will reprove you. It will, it will guide your life. You know that, so you've accepted that. And maybe you've read the Bible, and you're like, okay, I can, get, I can, I can understand some of these things. The next step, the next phase is to study it because that is when it starts becoming memory. That is whenever you start cross-referencing things, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because up until that point, you just reading the Bible, what happens is you don't really understand it. You read it, and then you're like, what did I just read? But if you will study the Bible, then you will begin to understand that you can advance through life, and you can do it using God's word. I've encountered, as a teacher, I've encountered two different types of students. <laughs> uh, actually, there are probably 78 different types of students, kind of like genders. Uh, there's so many different, different types of students out there. But really, the, you could sum them up in two different ways. You can say that there are those students who study for absolutely nothing, and it shows. One way or the other. They either study and they do poorly, or they, or they don't study and they do poorly, or they don't study and they ace everything. Then you have the other student who studies and studies and studies, reads, reads, and reads, and, and all of this sort of stuff, and still makes a 50 on test. I'm not going to tell you which one I am, but I was the second one. <laughs> um, so, but what happens is, and it's frustrating, too, because they'll put zero effort in. And you'll, whenever I was in high school, I was looking around at all these nerds, and I'm like, how are y'all doing this? Show me. How are you able to do this? And... 
But as a teacher, you see these two types of students and you realize that all you have to do is apply it just a little bit. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to give a little bit of effort. And a lot of times, just like us as Christians, we let things get in, get in the way. And even though a test in, in scheme of eternity, in light of eternity, is not really that big of a deal, if you fail a test, you have an op- opportunity to make it up or do better on the next one. But in the Christian life, you don't have it as lucky. You can't just close your eyes, close your Bible, and expect to do well advancing through life if you don't use God's word, if you don't accept it, if you don't read it, if you don't study it. And I, I, once again, I, I can't tell you how many times just in the past three or four months that I've been counseling with someone, and they will tell me that they believe God, they believe God's word, and that they've read a Bible verse or two, and then they'll proceed to tell me what they think the Bible says, and it literally had nothing to do with what the Bible said. It's because they haven't studied it. And I, I, will, I will tell people, for instance, I will say something like, you know, you shouldn't drink. The Bible's against that. And they'll try to find a verse that contradicts that. And I'll say, but, you know, uh, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging in Proverbs. And they'll say, well, yeah, maybe that's what it says, but here's how I feel about it. And if they had studied about it, they would know that's not okay. But because they want things their way, they live in a world where they really genuinely have not accepted God's word. They say it, but they really haven't. They live in a world that's absent of God's word. And so whenever I see that, I can't help but to think, have you really studied the Bible? Have you, have you even read it? If you've read it, then you would know there are a lot of verses that, that support what I'm saying. And you can twist these verses to change that, but all you're doing is showing that you actually, actually haven't studied the, the word. So... For instance, studying is important. We see Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, just one chapter before, uh, saying, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So studying is imperative when it comes to advancing through life with God's word. If you don't study, then it's going to be really difficult to recall. And whenever you're cornered with a problem in life, you're not going to be able to cross-reference anything in the Bible and you're going to be left juggling like, I don't really know how to handle this. And you know what? Maybe tonight, maybe tonight you have, you have advanced this far. Maybe you have accepted God's word and then maybe you have stopped right there. Maybe you want to believe, look, this is God's word. There's no doubt about it. And I accept that this is God's word. Maybe that's you. If so, then proceed to the next phase and that's to read the Bible. Uh, once you read the Bible, you begin to realize, okay, this really is God's word. I do, I, I will accept it, but I would ask you to accept it beforehand. Accept that this is God's word, then begin to read it. And once you begin to read it, and you read it multiple times, it becomes a study of the Bible. And each phase is dependent upon the previous phase. And once again, maybe you're like me, maybe you hit phase three, maybe you've been stuck at phase two, maybe you've accepted it, maybe you have a hard time reading it. Maybe you don't have a hard time reading it, maybe you have a hard time studying it. There is no right answer to how often you should read it and how often you should study it. Uh, the, the more you read it, the more you understand it, and the more you read it, the more you can study it, and you can say you've studied it. So there's no right answer when it comes to that. Paul's imploring Timothy here to remember the Holy Scriptures that make us wise unto salvation. But how would Timothy remember if he hadn't read about, read about these things? How would he remember this? How would he remember the Holy Scriptures? How would he ever come to the knowledge of the Lord if he hadn't read about it? 
How is he going to get to verse 17 to be truly furnished unto all good works if he hasn't read the Holy Scriptures? How is he going to advance through life using God's word if he won't stop at verse 16 and understand that this is God's inspired word and that it is profitable and that it is uh, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness? So if if we've advanced this far, we're really close. We're really close to getting to the end where we have advanced through life. Because I'm just going to tell you, if you're like me, these are in phases. I'm 42 years old, and I'm just now at the place where I have begun to study God's word. And what a shame that I'm this old, and I just now started to do that. If you'll do it at an early age, young people, the young people who are in here, if you'll begin to study at an early age, if you'll begin to learn, if you'll begin to just accept that this is the word of God, then you will be able to advance further and further into your, into your life. So maybe you're all the way through this, but the last phase tonight is applying his word. And this is probably, this is the most difficult for me. I have yet to master this, and I don't know that I ever will. If you've made it through accepting God's word, that this is true, if you've made it to the point where you read the Bible, amen, I want to encourage you to keep doing that. If you haven't hit that phase, do so now. If you've made it to that phase and you've begun to study it, begun to study it like I have, then the next phase is actually applying what you know. And this is where it becomes difficult because the same things that prevent you from accepting God's word can prevent you from applying it. The busyness of life, the thought life, maybe it's an unconfessed sin, maybe it's somebody you know who's leading you astray. There are any number of things that could prevent you from applying his word. It's important that we apply his word because we want to be witnesses. We want to show the glory of God. And we want to prove that his word is inspired. We want to prove that it's profitable for doctrine. So you have to apply this in order to show the world you're not going to be a very effective witness if you don't apply what you know. If you will not advance any further in your, in your walk with the Lord using his word if you don't apply what you know. So this is how the world will know what, who we are. Let me ask you guys this. And this is a rhetorical question. But how many of you have forgotten how to ride a bike or how to swim? Probably nobody. Everybody remember. I hope everybody remembers how to swim or to ride a bike. But you haven't forgotten that, and it's probably because you learned to apply what, or you knew to apply what you've learned. And I'm, I'm glad my kids aren't here, aren't in here tonight because I'm fixing to pick on them just a little bit. But I taught Braden and Kaylee both how not only to swim but to ride a bike. One of my children was extremely well-versed in both of those. I'm talking about it was over with like that, swimming and riding a bike. The other one took years, felt like. Braden, if you know anything about him, he's very calculating. He is, he's always deep in thought. He's always thinking physics and geometry and nuclear science and all kind of other things. And I pushed him off on the bike for the first time, and he pedaled for what seemed like 35 miles, just kept going. First time, felt like. I taught him how to swim, and within like five minutes, he's all right, I got it. And he was doing the breaststroke and the front back goes or whatever it is, the thing where they go under the water and all of that. Like, okay, he's a, he's a quick learner. But with Kaylee, she's, what, 14 now? She still hasn't properly learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> and I say that because she's scared. She, what it is, she's scared. She, so she's scared she's going to fall off and that it's going to hurt. And she's right because she did fall off a lot. 
But it finally got to the point where I got frustrated. I'm just going to be honest with you. And you new, new parents, you're going to experience this. You're going to be teaching them how to do something. They're not going to want to do it. And you're just going to be like, you're going to learn today. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did with Kaylee on a bike. And finally, I was like, you can do it, darling. I was very gentle and very kind with her. And you can do it, darling. And before the end of it, my hair was all disheveled and I just pushed her. <laughs> Go. And uh, so she was a hard learner. And then when it comes to swimming, <laughs> mom, I think you were there that day. So my mom can vouch for this. I'm not just saying things to be funny. I had been working with Kaylee probably for a year to learn how to swim. And I finally got to the point where I'd had enough. And if you're a parent and you've done, done this, then you know exactly where I'm going with this. I just, I said, Kaylee, you're going to learn to swim today. Today is the day. No more crying. No more clinging to me. You're going to learn today. Daddy, I don't want you to clinging to me. Nope. You're going to learn today. I said, I'm going to throw you in the deep end, Kaylee. <laughs> no. Yeah, she was crying and all panicky. You're going in the deep end. So I said, and I had my mom out there, and I forget there was a couple of other people out there. It might have been, it might have been Carrie too. I'm not sure. There was a, there were a bunch of us out there, and my mom's pool at the time kind of sloped down. So I'm standing on the slope, and Kaylee is, you know, clinging to me, and I'm trying to pry her away from me. And I just said, all right, Kaylee, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, and I go one, two, and just threw her. I didn't even get to three. And I told her, I'd already told her what was going to happen, and she went underwater, and her head started bobbing around, and then she came up, started swimming and so she to this day she likes to swim Brayden likes to swim too and Kaylee doesn't really like to ride the bike but what happened was and and I'm not speaking on anybody's intelligence whatsoever I, I, I'm joking about that but what happened was one applied what they knew and the other one let external influences and outside influences prevent them from applying what they knew my daughter was scared to death she was going to drown. And I was the same way. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember it. When I was six years old, I was scarred to death. Learning how to swim, panicked, thought I was going to drown. That big pool scared me to death. But eventually I ended up learning how to swim, and I learned how to ride a bike because I applied what I knew. And I'm thankful tonight that, that even though I fall off the bike sometimes spiritually, and maybe, maybe I struggle to get back on the bike. I'm thankful that I serve a God who is patient with me as I try to apply what I know. Because I'm not going to get it right every time. I'm going to fall off the bike sometimes. And it's going to be a struggle to get back on. So what's the point of that? Don't be hard-headed with God's word. How, do you, how did you learn how to do the things that you do in the first place? You, you probably, if you're good at your job, you've probably read something. You've probably studied it. If you did well in school, you probably did both of those things. And you accepted that there were going to be some things that were going to be difficult to deal with. And you accepted that uh, there were going to be some struggles. I had a situation probably, speaking of applying God's word, I had a situation last year. We were at Orange Beach. And <clears throat> Orange Beach has a lot of restaurants with most of the restaurants being bars. And we kind of accepted that, not going to the bar, but we kind of accepted that we were going to, if we were going to eat anywhere, that it was probably going to be a, a bar somewhere nearby, if nothing else. We purposefully did not choose the Floribama because we knew that it was a bar and we knew what it stood for. So we went down the road a little bit and across the other side of the beach, kind of hoping to get away from any bar scene whatsoever. So we went in and immediately they were playing country music. And... Um, even in our secular days, uh, my wife more particularly than, than I, even in our secular days, my wife hated country music. 
So automatically that was a strike. But we were hungry and it was hot and we were just like, we want to eat. We don't care. We'll put up with George Chesney or whatever his name was. And um, so we sat down and the lady came over and she, she asked us, she said, do you want anything to drink? We're like, yeah, we'll have some water. She said, well, do you want to know the drink specials? No, ma'am, we don't. Thank you, though. She said, well, they're, they're really cheap. I was like, we're good. And then my wife piped up and said, he is uh, an assistant pastor and our family doesn't drink. We wanted to let the lady know that stop trying to pressure us into drinking. And she stepped back for a minute and she looked at us rather incredulously and, and, and was like very indignant, like kind of looking at me like, what do you mean? Christians can drink. And so she said, but you do know that we have church here on Sundays. I said, you do what now? You, you have church where? She said, here, we have church here. Like, oh, okay, well, that makes it better then. You feel free to just bring three of them. My kids want some too. Like, <laughs> she, yeah, no, she's only 12, but yes, she can drink a beer, no problem. And you just said it was okay. <laughs> what happened was I had read God's word. I'd already accepted that it was true. I'd accepted that God's word was true. I'd read that God's word warned against that. I had studied out and found it to be the truth. And then lastly, I had to apply that. Now, I'm not, I know some of y'all have probably been to church in a bar, and I'm not, I'm not trying, to, trying to belittle that. But my point in that was I am supposed to be separate. I learned how to be separate by reading the Bible. I learned how to be different and set apart. I learned how not to behave and the things that I should do and the things that I shouldn't do from reading the Bible. And I applied that. And when I did that, I was mocked, basically, by the world. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because I showed her in a nice way. And by the way, we got up and left. We just got up and left. We were tired of hearing Kenny George or whatever his name was. Um, I don't know who the popular guy is now. couldn't tell you to save my life. But we got tired of hearing that. We got tired of waiting. And we just got tired of the, the atmosphere. It just didn't feel right. So I had to apply what I knew. And I think we would all do well tonight to apply what we know. I, I would encourage you tonight as we close to not only accept God's word, but to read it. That sounds elementary. But if you'll read God's word, you'll begin to understand your need for salvation. You'll begin to understand that, that you can be truly furnished unto all good works. You'll learn that, that the Bible is, is full of good stuff and instructions and correction and, and reproof and, and the doctrine is sound. You'll learn these things. And once you do that, then you'll, you'll be able to apply it in your lives. And you can advance through life using God's word. You won't do it otherwise. The world has a different semblance of success than I do as a Christian. I'll, I'll burn everything I own in order to follow the Lord. So, and I, and I understand that. I've accepted that. And, and I've, I've read that there have been a lot of people who've done that before. And, and I've studied these things, and, 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 I, and I'm going to apply them. So I want to get to where I'm from verse 7 to verse 17. I don't want to ever be learning and never coming to the knowledge of the Lord. I don't ever want to be that way. I want to get to verse 17, and the way I do it is to just understand that this Bible is God's word, and I've got to accept it, and I've got to read it, I've got to study it, and then once I've learned all of these things, I've actually got to put it into action, and I'm going to see my life full of victory rather than misery. So with that being said tonight, let's have every 